to be with you this morning, and if you're visiting us as well, a very warm welcome to you. Hope you're enjoying being with us. You're really, really welcome. Hi to everyone at home. Hope you're doing as well too. And uh, okay, let's have a look here. Now, a few years ago, I think it was back in like 2015, pre-green list, amber list, red list. Remember those days? Um, a friend of uh, ours at the church here, Bruce uh, Collins, had been invited to do a um, like a little conference in Norway, and he asked uh, if I wanted to go along, and Beth went along as well. Fortunately, we didn't have to wear masks and dance, but we could just go. We're all like the masked singer these days, aren't we? <laughs> anyway, funny. Um, so anyway, we went along. Um, so I'd had a really busy week before um, this trip, and um, like, you know when you have a crazy week, and then, you know when you're going away, it makes everything else busier as well, doesn't it? Because you've got to make sure you've got your laundry done, you've got to make sure you get your packing done, etc. So I was getting ready as the days were coming, and I then, at the last minute, I remembered that I'd been on a trip with Bruce previously, and he lost his voice on the Sunday morning, and he was due to speak in this quite big church in Sweden, and he lost his voice. And so with half an hour's notice, I had to do the talk. And I was only like 22 at the time, and I hadn't really done many talks. So I thought, okay, this time I'm going to take some talks with me. So I went up to the office the night before, was printed out some talks, so I had everything ready just in case. So then the morning comes, Bruce, he drives down from West Wales, he picks up myself and Beth on the way, we drive all the way up to Heathrow, there was quite a bit of traffic, but we you know, left nice and early to get there. We were flying the night before because Bruce wanted us to meet the team at the conference. We'd get there early, etc. So we drive all the way up to Heathrow, and he hadn't parked in Heathrow. You know, when you do those like off-parking ones, there's one quite far away. So we get to the car park, we park, get all the luggage out, we wait for this minibus for ages. The minibus turns up, we get in the minibus. The minibus carts us off to Heathrow, we get off, we get all the bags out. Bruce has got loads of his books for him to sell, so he's got an extra like case. We're dragging this all into the airport. We walk into the terminal, you know, hours later since we left, and then Beth goes, oh, let me just get my passport out. And then suddenly it dawns on me, I haven't got my passport. <laughs> I turned to Bruce and said, Bruce, I haven't got my passport. And his face dropped. It was like the colour drained. He thought I was, he was like, are you joking? I was like, no. And his colour drained. We're like, oh, no. So we went up to the desk. We had a little chat. And um, they, they, oh, no. You know, there's nothing we saw. You know, got my driver's license. You know, they're not going to let you get on today. Well, we tried. Um, so they, they put my flight to the following morning, to the earliest one the following morning. So I weighed Bruce and Beth off. And then I had to go out of Heathrow, jump on a National Express, and it's one of those ones that goes around like all the London airports. So it's like I was like six-hour uh, coach drive home, got back to Swansea, literally got picked up, went to the house, got my passport out the drawer, back in the car on the coach, another six hours back to Heathrow to catch the flight the next morning. So you, that's a mistake you only make once. And the funny thing was as well. It's not even, you know, sometimes you might lose your passport, or you put it in the wrong bag, or you've got to, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind to bring the passport. As soon as we got into the airport, it's not like, oh no, did I pack it, or was it here, or have I left it in the coach? It did, I knew straight away, I haven't got it, it didn't even cross my mind. And so of all of the packing, of all of the getting ready, of all of the travel, of all that went into it... The, like, the most important thing, like the one thing you would need to go away is the one thing that I'd forgotten and the one thing that hadn't even gone through my mind. And 
I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Maybe not. But if you haven't, learn from my mistake. But at the moment, I feel like we're in the middle right now of, of a strange season where things are changing really fast. Things are opening up. It's quite exciting. Hopefully, we can start to begin to get back to normal. But then on the other hand, we don't really know what's going to happen next. We're all waiting for the three-week review, and then they don't really say anything and think, oh, maybe on Monday they'll clarify. Hopefully, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And there's all the busyness that comes with the, you know, the hopefully the opening up and trying to see people again, et cetera, et cetera. And today, I just really feel that we, with all that going on, is to remind ourselves to keep our eyes on the most important thing in our lives. What's the essential thing for us? What is most important? And that's Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing with everything else that goes on. He is the one who loves us and has rescued us. He is the one who gave his life for us so that we could have eternal life. So we don't need to be afraid of death. Death is not the end. But through Jesus, we have the gift of eternal life. He's rescued us from sin and death. And he is with us through the Holy Spirit. With all that we have to navigate through, he is with us through the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We are adopted into God's family because of Jesus. And he has brought us into a place of belonging. A place of belonging with God as family together, which we live out as church together today. And we're brought into this place of belonging and a place of purpose. When we respond to this invitation from Jesus... We have become followers of Jesus, and that is who we are. Ultimately, that's the calling on our lives. We follow Jesus. We follow his calling on our lives to bring God's goodness into the world through his church, through the name of Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 2, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Boast about it. I love this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So in our everyday, with all the things that we're involved in and all the things that make up our lives, our families, our friends, our work, our hobbies, our school, our university, all the good things that are gifts from God, and in all the challenges as well that we face when we know Jesus walks alongside us through the Holy Spirit who empowers us and strengthens us as we go through life, in, in and amongst all of that we have going on, we have a purpose together. We live for Jesus' plan and calling on our lives. We follow Jesus. And today, I really believe that God wants to encourage us to be ready 
because there's going to be opportunities, both individually and together, where God wants to bring his purposes in and through our lives right now in this season. And it's almost like we're following Jesus, and we're, you know, we're always following him, and we're following him down the road, and it's like today he's turning over his shoulder and just saying, you know, are you with me? Are you watching? Are you here? I'm, I'm about to take this turn. I'm going left. I'm going right. I'm going up. I'm going down. He's looking behind. Are you with me? Are we, are we watching? Are we ready? Because he's got opportunities for us. I really, really believe it. I believe God wants to speak to us today that there's opportunities for us, for God's purposes in our lives, and they're going to come by our way. And so we're going to look at this together, something that can help us as we carry on with our uh, like what happens next mini-series, as Julian said yesterday, it'd be a bit like uh, last week, sorry, it's a bit like season two, where we've done Journey to the Cross, and now we're looking at, you know, what happened next when Jesus came back to life and the early church was born and all the amazing things that happened. And there's two things in the life of the early church that I think are really helpful for us in this season and being ready for what God wants to do with us and through us together and individually when we're out and about wherever we are. So, last week, uh, Julian shared about how the Holy Spirit uh, came to the early church, how the believers were filled, and they spilled out, and they were sharing about what Jesus has done, and they began to do what Jesus did, healing the sick, sharing the good news, and people were added to the church, and 3,000 people became followers of Jesus even in one day. Wow, isn't that amazing? And this church began to grow, and of course, we know the church is not a meeting or a building, but it's a community of people following Jesus together. That's who we are. And so we have this amazing description of this church that, that emerged in Acts 2, very famous, but let's read it together. It says this, Acts 2, verse 42 onwards. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Everyone was filled with Oh, at the many wonders and miraculous signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so here we have this little short description where Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is summarizing, you know, what does this early church look like? And there was a whole hive of activity, and here he's trying to summarize it in just a few sentences so we get like a snapshot, we get an idea. And what we see here in the life of this early church is ultimately that when people came to put their trust and faith in Jesus, they began to live for Jesus in their everyday lives. So, you know, if you were a carpenter or if you worked on a farm or, you know, if you were um, a local baker or whatever, you still did that. But now you were living for Jesus in your everyday. You were sharing with your neighbor what Jesus has done for you and the difference he's made in your life. You were getting up early on your way out or your way in and meeting with other Christians who were sharing stories about Jesus and what he did and what he said to do and how we can follow him. And if you're the baker, you might bake extra bread and give it to those in need or whatever it was practically. A shift had taken place. And now in your everyday life, you were a follower of Jesus wherever you were and wherever you were placed. You were doing the same things, but you were doing it for Jesus now, and you were ready for what he wanted to do. And the key word for us here is this word devoted. That's what summarizes them. In this first line, all the believers devoted themselves. They were devoted to Jesus and to one another. 
And obviously, they, you know, lived in the first century in Jerusalem, which is, you know, a very different context and culture to us today. You know, it's much more outdoor culture, and you get this picture of people in and out of each other's homes and stuff like that. And obviously, today in COVID life, that's, you know, impossible for us, isn't it? And even pre-COVID, you would text someone before popping around, or usually these days. But anyway... So a very different cause. So it's not trying to recreate that necessarily, but for us today, let's ask ourselves this question, as we, as we have done and will do and continue to do, what does it mean for us today to be devoted? What does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? In 21st century Wales, as followers of Jesus, how do we put Jesus and his calling on our lives first? How, do, how can we be described as Cornerstone Church, they were devoted they were devoted to Jesus. What does that look like for us? I remember for myself, the first time I had to make a choice in my life to put Jesus first in something was when I was about 10 years old, and I used to love playing rugby for the school team. And uh, I love rugby, and we had a proper old school Welsh head teacher, and he banned football from the school. We were only allowed to play rugby. Isn't that interesting. I'd never played football, but I was only allowed to play rugby. So anyway, I used to love playing rugby. And then one time, one of the local teams came and they did some little trials and they invited us, you know, if, if we wanted to join one of the local teams. And, you know, I really enjoyed this little training session we had. But then we found out that the local teams, they played their matches on Sundays, on Sunday mornings. And, you know, obviously my parents had planted the church and it was in its early days and it's kind of the rotors. There's a lot fewer people on the rotors then, so they'd be on the rotor every week. And, um, you know, they, I'm not sure what, exactly what times the game were, but often they only had one car. So basically, it was, impo- it was impossible to do both. You know, it was impossible to make both happen. It would be, it'd be one or the other, you know, for me. And I remember chatting this through, you know, with my parents and, you know, obviously in a child's way. But I remember coming to that decision in a, in a 10-year-old's way, but owning that decision for myself that, I wanted to be a part of church. I wanted to be, I wanted to belong to this. And, you know, even then, seeing, like, what was happening and what my parents were doing and what, the, you know, what church meant and the friends, I even I had there as, as, a, as a 10-year-old and the people investing in my life in different ways. In a child's way, I own that decision that this is, I want to be committed to this and be a part of this. And so we went and found that actually the, the football teams, they played on Saturdays. So I went and joined a football team instead and played rugby for the school. So that was like a first that I kind of remember. But looking back now as like a 31-year-old man, it's funny to look back at it. But I'm so glad that like I made that choice because I, I think of all the amazing and good things that I've experienced through church. God has brought into my life through this community of church and being a part of it. You know, the friends, the kindness, the support, the love, the care, the fun, and also how God's worked per- powerfully through different people's lives and being able to see, to see that, to see miracles, to see answers to prayer, to know that God is real and see it lived out in different people's lives in a different way and how that impacts and shapes you as you grow up and the freedom. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I can't think of anything else that would compare to it. And to think that at a young age, that's something that I could have possibly put in jeopardy or, or put at risk or even just put, you know, devalued in my life at a young age and, and maybe reduced those experiences, if, if, if you like. I'm so glad that that didn't happen. And one thing I've noticed as I've grown up and over the years is that these decisions never go away. These decisions are always with us. The choice to whether we put God first in our lives and when we have to make sacrifices and when there's almost, you know, there's an easy option or there's a, 
And then there's the Jesus option sometimes. And these choices never, ever go away where we have to make the choice of what comes first and what do I prioritize and what do I really value and what am I going to make time for and where am I going to head forward in my life? Who am I following? And I really want to encourage all the young people here and watching at home I really want to encourage you, and I know that you have these choices to make, sometimes in school, or even later in university. I want to encourage you to continue to put Jesus first and to practice now, because as you practice now, you'll find that these choices never go away, but it'll prepare you, and you'll be ready, and you'll be on that track, and you'll know how to put Jesus first in your life, and it'll prepare you for the years ahead, because God does have a plan for your life, and he has an amazing purpose for you in the church, and he wants to do amazing things through your life, and he already knows and sees what's ahead for you, and it may be here in Cornerstone Church in Swansea, or it may be wherever you move to in the future, that God knows you, he loves you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for you, and as you put him first now, it will prepare you for the good things that he wants to do, and the lives he will change through you, and the impact that you will make, how amazing it will be. In Proverbs, it says this, train up a youth in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. And in the Psalms, it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, planted in the house of the Lord, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Isn't that a great promise for us? That God's purposes include all of us, young and old alike. And it's for all of our lives. And that as we plug into God, there is fruitfulness and purpose for each and every one of us, wherever we are, that God draws out of us. Um, So, a little example of this. So, Josh is over on the side today. Don't want to embarrass you, Josh. But Josh has been really helping me over lockdown with the um, editing when we were doing the online services like church from home and stuff and he was really helping with the sound uh, editing and, and making it sound I mean the band always sound amazing but he like you know when it's going through the screen and whatever Josh was doing a brilliant job of like making it sound really really good so thank you for that Josh and using his skills and getting different softwares and things to do it and investing in his own learning to, to serve the church so I really appreciated that and also, Josh, you know, he plays in a band. He's also a plumber as well. And I know that he prays for people at work. Though when he's at work in someone's house and things, if someone shares, you know, sometimes as we do, we share with people that, you know, in our lives, hairdressers or plumbers or, you know, whatever. When someone shares with Josh, he offers to pray for them. And he shares Jesus with them and he shares his faith. And two or three weeks ago, he was um, helping, he was doing some work for a lady just around the corner for me. And and I know that uh, he was praying for her, and she's been you know, through some tough things and with the moving house and all that stuff, and he was praying for her. And I think it's amazing how right where he is, he lives for Jesus. And that's the second thing for us. We see the early church, they were devoted, and also they were ready in their everyday lives. They were prepared, and they were expectant that God would use them where they were. And as they did that, they continued to grow. And so when we look back now at the early church, we see the church... They continued to grow and spread, and they saw miracles and people come into faith. But as they did this, and as they grew and grew, obviously, the same people who had wanted Jesus dead and who had crucified Jesus, they were still there. So, you know, they didn't like this, that these followers of Jesus were growing. And so, a a wave of persecution hit the church, where they were being arrested and and killed and, um, and, um, yeah, persecuted. And so, in Acts 8, we read this. It says... A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. 
And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And so this persecution hits, and we see how the, you know, the leaders, the ones that we probably have heard of, you know, Peter, James, John, etc., they all stayed in Jerusalem to keep things going there. But everyone else, you know, all the believers, all people who'd come to follow Jesus, they ended up fleeing and spreading around different places. And what did these different followers of Jesus do? What did they do as they, you know, ended up running away effectively from this persecution and fleeing from their lives and being refugees, if you like? Well, this is what it says in Acts 11 as they began to spread. It says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. Some of the believers who went to Antioch began telling the Gentiles, those people who weren't Jews, telling the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to God. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And so here we are. We see that all these followers of Jesus end up fleeing their homes. They arrive in new places, their lives totally disrupted. I mean, imagine that, totally disrupted. And I'm sure they had plenty to think about. Where am I going to live? What am I going to eat? How am I going to work? What are we going to do? And yet, in and amongst all of that, they continue to live as followers of Jesus. They continue to share their faith in word and action. And amazingly, a large number of people, as I said here, believed and began to follow Jesus. And this whole new community of believers grew. And what I love about this is that it wasn't the famous leaders. Like I said, you know, the Peters, Pauls, John, uh, James, the ones that we've heard of. These were just, just everyday, ordinary followers of Jesus. So we can include ourselves in this. This is for each and every one of us. Each one of us is included, and God wants to and has a purpose for every one of our lives to bring his goodness and his love and his forgiveness and his rescue into the world through us, through you and me. We can include ourselves. Now, a few weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago, Russo, Nathan, and Ben, they did this really great talk for the 20s, for the student lads um, over Zoom. And Russo shared this verse from... um, to Timothy, where Paul instructs Timothy to continue to preach and to share about Jesus and to do the things God has called him to do. And he says this, be prepared in season and out of season. Or another way, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Do the things that Jesus has called you to do and be prepared to do them in season and out of season, whether time is favorable or not. And this verse has really been living with me since Russo shared it, and he did a really great talk with the boys. And I think at the moment, you know, we've, well, we've had restrictions, and now have we got restrictions? What restrictions have we got? Are we coming out? Are we going in? 21st of June, is it going to happen? Who knows? It might not feel like the easiest time to share our faith, to offer to pray, to serve, to be there. It may not feel like the easiest time, but I really, really feel that today God wants to say there's opportunities for us and to be ready and to be prepared and to be alert 
because he wants to work through our lives and things are going to come by our way and just by being open and ready, we'll be able to see God work through us and do some wonderful things. So how then can we be prepared? What are some practical things that we can do? So firstly, let's be praying for our friends, our families, our work colleagues, our neighbors, people that we know. In just our own time, let's pray for them. Pray that God blesses them. If we know they're going through a challenge or, you know, they're doing something, even in our own homes, let's just pray, God, help them with that. Give them, you know, give them peace or whatever that they need. Let's pray for them and ask God to speak to us for them as well, that we might share something with them. And when we see them in person, let's offer to pray for them in person. If they share with us, if we know we're going, they're going through something, let's offer to pray. And then pray for opportunities to be able to share our faith with them as well. Let's pray for those. And then secondly, let's be ready to share. In our own lives day to day, let's continue to thank God and remember what he's done in our lives. Have you ever been in like a birthday party or something? And then someone said, oh, let's all go around and say something really nice, say Adam's birthday. Let's all go around and say something really nice about Adam. Now, I I know lots of things, nice things about you, Adam, because you're a very nice person. But you know when someone puts you on the spot, suddenly all the nice things about Adam, boom, they're gone. And you're trying to, oh, trying to rack my brains for something nice. Not that there aren't lots of nice things. Have you ever experienced that? And sometimes people can just turn to us out of the blue. Oh, what do you believe then? Or why do you go, you know, and and ask us a question. And sometimes it's almost like, oh, my, my mind has gone blank and I panicked. But in our just daily lives, if we continue to thank God, thank God, remember the good things he's done in our lives. You know, share with um, our family. Oh, I just remembered that answer to prayer when this happened, A, B, and C. And as we just keep these things and thanking God, they're like on the tip of our tongue, they're in our heart, and they, they're easy to flow out. Let's continue to be plugged into church life and small group where we share stories with one another and we encourage one another and we, we see in each other's lives the things that God is doing and the life and how God is real in our lives. And then when we're asked, We'll have our own experiences and reasons that we follow Jesus and what it means. We'll have them on our hearts and minds ready to share. It's like a gift to others. Thirdly, let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power, that we are filled with his power to pray for the sick, to pray for people in need, that we can see healings and miracles and answers to prayer, not just for us, but for the world in that we live in, because this is for uh, others, and this is what Jesus did. And begin offering to pray for people that you know. I was on the phone to my mum in the week and we were chatting about work stuff and it was quite busy. Um, we, we got a bit of a deadline with some of the media things. And then, but just before saying goodbye, just suddenly had a thought, you know, she broke her wrist, like, I don't know, eight weeks ago or something and it was still swollen and a lot of pain and everything. I just said, oh, let me just, off, let me just pray for you before I go. So, oh, let me just pray for you before we go. So I just prayed for her over the phone and as I prayed, the swelling in her finger started to go down. I, I, and I could hear her going, oh my gosh, the swelling's going down, the swelling's going down, the swelling's going down. And so we continued to pray, and then she began to move it, and then my dad realized something's going on, so he, he came in, I could hear her on the other line. We ended up praying for an hour, and over the course of an hour, the swelling went down loads, the movement, like, returned some of the pain in different parts, went So I want to encourage you, when a friend, when family, when people that you know, people in the church, people in your small group, when they complain of something, just offer to pray, offer to pray for them. It's a great way to practice and to see, obviously, Jesus do amazing things with us. So let's be ready to offer to pray. And then, as we pray for each other, they'll help us then as we want to pray for, you know, our friends at work or our colleagues or someone at uni or even someone we see in in Tesco or, or wherever we are that we can pray 
for Jesus and we can uh, to meet with people and we can pray for healing in the name of Jesus and see amazing things happen. So those are some things that we can be prepared with. Okay, very last thing. This is my favorite um, verse, if you like, or my favorite thing about this little passage here. And Luke adds this extra note at the end when he's describing this early church in Antioch. And he says, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And Christians, you know, it, it means followers of Jesus, Christ ones. A bit like um, there was a political group called the Herodians, because they were followers of Herod. They were his political party. And so these people here, who are, the, who are these people? They're Christians. They belong to Jesus. Now, back in Jerusalem, it was predominantly a Jewish population, obviously. So the followers of Jesus were Jews who believed in Jesus. But in Antioch, where this new church began to grow, this was a very diverse city. It had lots of trade routes going all over the region. And so there's people from all different places who live there, different cultures, different languages, etc. And now suddenly, amongst this diverse city and this diverse group of people, a community forms that they have this unity across boundaries where there wasn't previously a coming together, where you had you know, Jews and Gentiles and Greeks Slaves and free people mixing together, the rich and the poor, men and women, joined together in something. This was revolutionary. This was brand new. These things didn't happen. And as people looked on at this strange phenomenon and thought, well, what, what defines this group of people? What is it that brings them together? Why are they meeting? Why are they hanging out? Why are they gathering together? How do we label this group? What, what are they? It became clear through their life and through their action that these are people who follow Jesus. They're Christians. And that is who we are. We are people who follow Jesus. And in this season, with all the changes going on, let's fix our eyes again on what matters most. And let's be followers of Jesus. Let's know what our identity and our calling is. That we belong to Christ, that we belong to one another, that we are loved and we are called for a purpose. So let's be devoted and let's be prepared as we follow Jesus in these next few months with everything going on. How does that sound? Should we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us? Jesus, we thank you that you're alive, that you've rescued us, that you're amazing, that we know your love in our lives and we know you've called us for a purpose to follow you and to bring your love and your goodness and your rescue into the world, into Swansea, into our city, because you love people. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you and we say, would you come and fill us again with your power and your presence that we may follow Jesus and bring your blessing into the world around us. We thank you that you love our friends and our colleagues and our university friends, and our school friends, and you want to bless them. You want them to know you. And we say, Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be devoted. We want to be prepared to bring this goodness to those around us. So help us, Holy Spirit, as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. Thanks, everyone.